Hey, Graham. Hey, I think, Josh. I think we're live. It's been a while. It's Forgot been a minute. What it feels like. I know. <laughs> I, it usually means we screw up something. So uh, somebody send us a tweet. Tell us that this is working if you're watching live on Twitter. Yeah, it's, please. We'll be uh, putting this on the podcast and YouTube later. Uh, but for now, we're live on the Twitter, which is our, I think, our favorite um, our favorite format. I mean, you know, we love, uh, we love it all, especially YouTube. YouTube comments are solid, man. We get... We're still we're still getting them from national championship and stuff, so we appreciate you guys. I know, yeah, it's been fun interacting with all the the folks on YouTube this year. Uh, all right, Graham, you've been busy. I've been busy. You were at the national championship game. I watched it from home after going to the Orange Bowl, um, and everyone has jumped in and has done a hell of a lot of breakdowns and celebrations and recaps. But this is the uh, official Dog Sports Live uh recap and you've gone deep we've got 99 plays from the offense and defense we're going to jump into the offense tonight and uh just see where we go um before we get into it um what do you when did you watch all this how many is this notes i know you've been looking at the game over and over and over <laughs> and over again so these notes, yeah so just take us in the mindset of, of the gram right now i mean these notes have been worked on for probably a month or so like i watched the game once when i came back from indianapolis uh i I was pretty sick when i got back i got the the natty flu as i came to call it also known as uh sars covid 19 um (laughs) but yeah no i watched it once and just hung out and enjoyed it and soaked it all in without typing anything and then i've probably rewatched it in like our clip bank four or five times at this point, uh, which is fun. You know, it's like every time we, I watch it, we find something different, notice something different. So I think what we have prepared here is a pretty thorough look at the title game. And there's always going to be stuff we miss. Right. But uh, definitely hope that you guys enjoy this. Um, It's been fun putting it together and sure you guys will have all sorts of thoughts in the comments as per usual, but ready to, to, get into it man it's been 50 days so sorry for the delay but also yeah it's they, not like there's any there's no football for the next eight months so exactly we well we're, we're going in. we're going to the degenerates crowd and uh so me these people are ready for this no matter what so uh there's no one watching the international championship reviews in february or i guess it's march now uh that that isn't that aren't our people so with that exactly. let, let's uh let's get into it first clip uh, you want to talk about the offense, offensive line? I almost said offensive. No, you're good. Yeah, so the OL struggled early. Um, and some of that miscommunication was happening between McClendon and Washington right here. They let this blitz come free. And Stetson kind of froze up, right? But there was just a lot early where sitting in the stands, it felt like, and even going back and watching it, like Georgia was getting pushed around up front pretty badly. And some of that was just man on man getting shoved around, but there was a lot of miscommunications happening. A lot of blocking assignments getting missed. Um, That was one of them right there. Just, you know, you've got enough guys. They are trying to kind of block down the line with that, with that play action. And I, I think that that blocking scheme going down the line like that is really designed to look like a run play so that, Bama's secondary is going to bite and think that that it is a run play and a receiver is going to come open. But 
you can't really make a play action work if you let the first guy come free like that. Right. Two, you've got this is yeah the biggest, the biggest play nobody talks about. Right. I mean, this is the the Stetson non fumble fumble where he takes off. Or wait, I'm sorry. Is this 22? Yeah, should be. Okay. No, no. This, this is 22. The... This is 22. Here we go. Okay. Yeah. I thought. Yeah. So this is the the fumble where Setson's gonna run up the middle, and I mean, it was a perfect bounce right back up to him. I heard him say in an interview like later that you know playing in the dome in Indianapolis, it was cold in the dome, and he hadn't started sweating yet, and like he didn't have a good grip on the ball early in the game, but. I mean, Georgia's already down a score right here. Things aren't going well. You've gone three and out and punted. Um, if Alabama gets this ball in this situation, it just – I feel like, you know, with the psychology of that series, getting down 10 nothing, getting down two scores was never something that I thought Georgia would, would have much success recovering from because they had to stay out of obvious pass situations. They had to keep the defense in conflict and – Maybe they don't panic, but the track record of Georgia over the last couple of years has been if they get down a score or two, really two scores or more, then all of a sudden it's pass, 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 and that's not what this game needed to be for them to be successful. Um, yeah, so clip 34. Uh, watch Warren Erickson right here, the right guard. He just gets blown by, and, and I mean, he was struggling early. This is – yeah, this is that play, so – a lot of people have talked about Bennett's performance early in the game, and there were some things that he did not do well for sure, but he also wasn't getting much protection at all. You know, he was getting flushed out. Uh, he did it a couple times. We've got that echo back, Josh. Something just clicked. Or, or I think we're good. Yeah, we're good. You're, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think just you're going to see Sawyer come in for Erickson here shortly, and All right. I think that was the biggest adjustment Georgia made. But um, 38. Yeah, so Zamir White just played, a, I, I think, one of his best games in his entire career. He was just major. Um, this was a physical football game. Those two front sevens in the first half played as good of a college football game as you've seen two front sevens play in I don't know how long, probably since the late uh, 2000s, honestly. And he was delivering these type of body blows all night long, and he was always falling forward. And it was just huge for Georgia and really both teams to stay on schedule. And this was the type of game where a running back getting tackled and falling forward for an extra two to three yards made a yeah. huge difference in play calling. So um, great job by him. Yeah. I mean, I, I noticed that too, is like falling forward, you know, the early bounce to back to on the, on the fumble by Bennett. I mean, yeah, it, it felt early on that this game was the game we, it was unfolding like it needed to, to be for Georgia. And you're right. I mean, Zeus played great. I mean, just again, just, I mean, it was like Nick Chubb always fell forward and that's sort of what we saw. Uh, with, with Zamir on, on, you know, Monday night. It was just awesome. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think, you know, we joked about it in the stadium. Uh, the, the people I was sitting around and, like, everybody was kind of like, ha-ha, like, screw you, and I said it. But 
Georgia always over the last few years has started really well against Alabama and gotten these leads and come out, everything's clicking and working well. And then the script gets flipped. And when they went down in this game and nothing was going well, you kind of had the feeling like it can't go any worse. And we're still in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It felt like, you know, and we'll talk about this too when we get to the defensive clips, but there were so many chances that Alabama had, um, you know, even looking at that long drive, they went in the third quarter that, that ended in the block field goal. Like, they were in the red zone or in the scoring area so many times. And even early in the game, you know, there was some short third downs where Georgia was able to get off the field. And I think they could have been down 14, nothing, 10, nothing, 13, nothing, something like that very easily at at the end of the first quarter. And they, they were down three. So, yeah. Let's look at Darnell here. So, yeah, look at the, the route running footwork from Darnell. Uh, Just, I mean, remember, he's a 280-pound guy that blocks like a tackle, and this is just kind of a little flash inside, sneak back outside, and Stetson does a good job of timing the route and hitting him in his break. But I was, I really, I really loved this angle that that you were able to grab off the broadcast because you got an idea of how smooth of an athlete he is at 280 pounds, and. This was the first sign of life we saw from Georgia all game, really, was was this play right here. Uh, again, they're backed up. I think this is the third drive of the game. And that's almost a tip ball, but it's not, which is all that really matters in the end of the day. And all of a sudden, you've got, you've got a successful play. You've got a first down. Like, you have something happening, and then the offense starts getting in rhythm, as we're going to see. Um, so this is the long bomb to Pickens. We've got a couple angles of it, but this – this is some pure like Todd Monken pornography right here. So tight end bunch formation. You've got all three of your tight ends standing up on the side, on the right side of the line, tight end. You've got, you got Bowers, Fitzpatrick, um, and Darnell Bowers is, or I'm sorry, Fitzpatrick is the inline tight end there next to Warren McClendon. But first off, you're going to see, if we go back to the original clip and kind of run that in slow motion. So this offensive line is going to down block, like we were talking about earlier, like it's a run play. And then secondly, this formation, three tight ends, tight end. It looks like a run formation. It looks like they're going to try and bully you off the right side of the line. So this fake end around right here is going to force uh, the short side safety, this, the safety nearest to us on the screen to to freeze up and it's also going to allow pickens to to get inside basically of his man and then darnell you're going to see on this reverse angle here he's going to run uh basically a crossing route over the middle here number zero and that's going to occupy the other safety and we know that if you can freeze two safeties then all of a sudden george pickens is in a one-on-one matchup and that's what's happened here because this the safety in the the top left of your screen kind of the that guy bit on the fake end around of bowers which is a play that georgia had put on tape all year and you see pickens blow past him there but all of this action the down blocking the end around the the route by Washington coming across the formation, all of that is designed to take advantage of George Pickens and one of the 12 snaps that he probably was allowed to play in this ball game. And Todd Monken found a way to get him a one-on-one matchup. Credit to Pickens for winning it. 
credit for Stetson. The ball is good enough. I've seen a lot. Like I saw people the day after the the game kind of like criticize this throw from Stetson. If you watch Pickens throughout his entire year uh, career, he loves to to dive for those balls. Like I don't recall a time where he has caught one of those types of balls in stride and just kept running. So I don't think it was a an overthrow necessarily. It could have been maybe a little bit better throw, but I mean it, the coverage I mean, was still. Yeah. Close. And if he underthrows it and, you know, you always say, well, give your guy a chance to make a play. If he underthrows it, that ball's batted down and broken up. And then he put it the ball where he knew. Well, I don't know if he knew it, but he put it out. He didn't want to underthrow that ball. He wanted to either hit him in stride right. or make him like you say, Pickens wants to go get those balls. So he did not want to uh, underthrow that. And so he caught it. And man, it was a great catch. <laughs> I mean, it was just. Yeah, for I sure. mean, so many. It was fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, I think just the, you know. I've kind of like Todd Monken did such a phenomenal job all year long. And it kind of got overshadowed of the, about the like quarterback controversy and all of that. But I mean, he schemed his guys open when he needed to in this game, we're going to show it, you know, as we go through these clips, but, but all year long, really. Uh, So credit to him. So this unreal route by Burton, uh, I know he's, on the other sideline now. So it's kind of unique, but he came up big crucial at some crucial spots in this game and the smoothness on this. I mean, he's come, like, he's in motion and hits that slant. It's a third down situation. Um, it was big. It was big. I mean, you know, this, this drive doesn't cash in for a touchdown, but still this is beautiful by him coming in motion like that. Just really fluid athlete. Um, here we go. Yeah. So good recognition. I thought. It was 69. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I thought we were. Yeah, we were. I was there. Um, so yeah, good recognition by Stetson here. You're going to see Toto blitz right there and boom, he's going to hit Macintosh with a little easy pitch right there in the space that, that Toto ran out of. Right. Um, and I, you know, I thought Macintosh was great in this game. He only played like eight snaps and he had, three receptions and uh, one big carry down on the goal line, but just good. Get the ball out quick, recognize what, what the defense has given you take it. Um, and I thought Stetson did a pretty good job early in this game of just, I know he had the fumble, but he kind of got in the flow of things and he didn't try to play hero ball. He didn't try and do too much and um, good play by him there. And then here we go. So not a flashy play, but, this is good ball placement from Stetson. Uh, this is the type of plays we're talking about, right? These little – this was a fight for every t- inch kind of game. And good ball placement puts you – this is a second and ten play. That's a tight window. You you now are in third and four instead of third and ten. And that's where you had to be in this game if you're Georgia. Um, and so that little, that little pattern set up a viable play call on – on third down. Um, and here's the third down play. Yeah. And you're just going to have a little short slant here, I think, by uh, by Kyrus. Yeah. yeah, they talk about it all the or, time. No, I'm sorry. That's by Mitchell. But they, they talk about it all the time. You know, it's like the difference between third and 10 and third and four is huge. You know, right. and, and I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, you're not on schedule, uh, you know, but if you make a throw, and you get back to a manageable third down. I mean, like you say, every yard and every inch counted in this game. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, it was just, you know, that it's, and I think that's one thing that I've enjoyed about this format and what we do here is like, we really get to look at not just a couple key highlights, but sort of how everything set itself up. Uh, And that's, you know, it's the little play that Stetson makes on second and 10 that allows a slant to be a viable play call option on third and four. And then your drives continue, and now you're in scoring area inside the opponent's 35, you know, so on and so forth. Um, here you're going to see Broderick Jones, and uh, to some extent, really it's Broderick Jones. But, yeah, he gets he lets that speed rush get around him. And I, I still kind of put this one on Stetson. Like, he does let the, the rusher come free off the line, but – uh, between Zeus and Jones, there's enough time there for the ball to be getting rid of. They're able to kind of run run that free rusher around the backside. Uh, but Stetson, that was one of the few times I felt like he sort of didn't have the proper timing in his own mental clock there. And then right here, so Clip 70s. Yeah, so this is an interesting play uh, for you, kind of like for the stack community folks. So Karras does not pick up a first down. This is a third and 14 play. So as we define success rate, traditionally, this is an unsuccessful play because if you don't pick up a first down on a third down, it's considered not successful. But what this did was little six, seven yard catch puts Georgia into field goal range, makes this a three point game at the half. And you're at nine, six instead of nine, three. I will, I will so jump. I just thought that was kind of an interesting nugget. It is, it is interesting. And I actually listened to some interview with Ed, Ed Fang, our friend head on, and they talk about, well, a almost complete, you know, third down where you go four and fourth, it should, you know, completion, but that's what EPA is right there. Cause that is a positive EPA play. So that does go into sort of that explosiveness and that, and that, and well, not explosiveness, but it goes certainly into your EPA average. Well, right. yes, that is more valuable than an incomplete pass. But yes, that's why the difference between success rate is binary, yes or no. But EPA is much more nuanced and it, it, it bases everything on, you know, down distance and field position. So that is interesting. Maybe maybe I'll put a tweet about that and decide what uh, an incompletion would have been versus a uh, uh, EPA. Because exactly right, it moves you into field goal position, right? So that that's probably, a, probably close to... A, 0.9 or even maybe a full point EPA on there, even though it was not a successful play. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. I know some people, uh, I, I thought it was interesting too, clearly <laughs> manu- manually adjust the, their success rates for plays like that, especially in like this era where lots of teams go forward on fourth down, you know, yeah. setting up a fourth down, like third and seven, you get six yards so that you can quarterbacks and you get on fourth and one, then that third down play was probably successful. Right. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's, we don't get into, we don't need to dive too deep into the minutia of it, but it is interesting right. to think about. So that was the first half. And I mean, can you remember what, I mean, obviously we're <laughs> all like the vibe in the stadium. The, yeah. The vibe stadium, vibe in your mind, you know, what you're thinking. I mean, cause I mean, I think we were all saying like, we hadn't seen, you know, we were still in the game, but we hadn't seen Stetson do anything, you know, even that big class to pick ends. I mean, like, yeah, you're thinking, well, man, if he hits him in stride, that's a touchdown and stuff. So, I mean, if you, I'm, I'm going to be real. I was like, you know, is this the point? I did not think yeah. in my mind, I thought that we were going to ride or die with Stetson. Cause I was like, there's no reason to panic right here. I mean, obviously there might be a reason later, you know, not to give it away. <laughs> Just spoiler alert. You know, we have a, we have a fumble <laughs> later in the game, but no, yeah. what's, what's your vibe? What's your, what's your thinking? If you can remember. 
Uh, I mean, I thought that Georgia was extremely lucky to be in a nine to six football game. And I thought what I thought more than anything though, was like, this game is on pace to be played, you know, like a 40 to 45 point total, maybe even less. And that's where Georgia wants to play Alabama, not a 50 to 60 point total. So I thought that it was favorable for Georgia in that sense, but it also felt like, you know, Georgia, Georgia's defense was the, the one that was talked about going in this game and Alabama's defense was playing phenomenal and they really did play very, very well the entire game. I was surprised about how well Alabama's defense was playing. I was surprised that Georgia had kind of gotten pushed around up front on the offensive line. And that was my concern was that we're, we're sort of tracking for a game where it feels like uh, Georgia's not going to be able to run the ball. And if that's the case, I don't know that this team is built to come out and throw it 35 times in the second half on the way to a win. And that's not what happened. Right. And and I mean, you know, we're this first play of the second half, we're going to look at here in a second, like totally changed the tone of the game. And I think, you know, I forget exactly when it was, I think it was sometime in the second quarter when Sawyer came in for Erickson, but a lot changed after that. And the way that Georgia ran and moved around up front, and I don't know if it was a, a like even just a composure leadership thing or or what, but it felt like they they started running the ball first drive of the second half that we're going to look at. And then it felt kind of like a different game at that point where. Well, we'll talk about it as we go through the these clips, but yeah, so uh, clip 87. Yep. Oh, 87. Here we go. Yeah, so this is the first play of the second half, and this theme is established right here. Like, we're going to start dominating you up front. And Sawyer's at right guard. He's going to get a seal. And then Van Pran and Schaefer, the left guard, Schaefer, they do a, they get a great double team right there. Pull, like, totally maul that dude out of the play. I think it's uh, Smith, if I'm not mistaken. And then... Yeah, like you've got a you've got Georgia's most productive run on the night. Uh, you've got first and ten. You're you're out across the, you know, across the forty or whatever, and, and things are feeling good. So, and, and I th- you know, but watch like as we move forward through these clips throughout the second half, Georgia ran almost at will right up the middle, and all we had talked about on the show all year long was guard play, guard play, guard play is not good enough to just go bully people up the middle. And as soon as Sawyer came in at right guard, that changed. And so here, second play, you know, do you remember that formation if we go back? So we saw it on the bomb to Pickens earlier. It's that same yeah, heavy same. three yeah. tight end bunch. and Same spot defense, on the field too. Yeah, pretty close. And, and defense is going to think, you know, if this is a run play, you're thinking shotgun sweep. Like we were talking about earlier, we're thinking like, some sort of kind of counteraction going behind these three tight ends and Bama's in a man defense and they align everything to the formations, right? Where those tight ends are. And boom, Zamir gets that one-on-one and, and he creates a lot of a green win. grass, a lot of green grass right there. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, and it's like, and I'm sure there's a read here. So, I mean, hopefully, whoops, sorry, 88, you know, that, you know, you want to find the green spots on the field as a quarterback, you know, where they, they're coming from. That's a good read. If, 
And it seems like he's calling this play right here as a way because there might have been another pass play, but he gets him in the right play. Yeah, he checks there, and I think it's because they are in man. Um, and I mean, really, that's a you know that's a safety blitz there. But look at Pickens on the bottom of your screen, like that goes from being an eight yard run to a 15, 18 yard run because he's out there blocking his butt off in a one on one situation. As soon as Amir breaks free he's able to to hold that block. So that's, you know, that says a lot, I think, about just – you think about George Pickens, the work that he put in to get back for a few games at the end of this season, and he's on basically a snap count where he's not able to go out there and play 50, 70 snaps. But the times he was on the field, he made the absolute most of, whether that was catching a bomb – pass interference call that he draws in the fourth quarter right there getting a key block one-on-one which was you know something he had excelled at throughout his career but like that's the culture mentality stuff that you talk about with a team that's able to go all the way that's just a little bit different than yeah and your your average and we're in combine season and you know you want to talk about what your 40 times are what your you know wonderlick what you know what your hot you know shuttle all that is but I tell you what, I, I don't know how this doesn't factor into a decision for who you're going to hire as as a wide receiver. That he, he he screwed up his knee early on. He could have checked out. He could have gone into you know to a you know personal trainer or whatever. But he he rehabbed. He did it. You know, every time anybody asked about him or a coach talked about him, he said he was doing everything he could. He looked great. And he comes in when the team needed him to win. I mean, that's what you want out of a pro. It's like you know, take care of your body, do what you're supposed to do, get in there. And when, and then eventually, you know, whether that's, you know, a playoff run for an NFL team or a Super Bowl, like it was for, you know, it was a national championship was, you know, he came back and was there for us and, and, you know, maybe he didn't have a, a ton of stats, but I don't know how that doesn't factor into what you would want out of a wide receiver on the next level. Agreed. Yeah. 100%. Um, where, where are we? Clip 91? Uh, 89. 89. Yep. So, I really take issue. I rarely take issue with a monk and play call, but this wasn't the time for a flea flicker. In my opinion, you've just run the ball up the gut twice in a row. You're pushing them around up front and you do this, which I think really this was a, a miscommunication. Like Mitchell, I believe is the receiver at the bottom here. Maybe it's George actually it is George, but yeah, I mean, I think Stetson sees one thing and thinks that this is going to be a go pattern. Pickens cuts it off based on the the read that he makes of the secondary, and you've got this intentional grounding call. And this great drive where you've been shoving him around up front is now basically killed, right? So, um, yeah, it was it's a little bit of a, a strange decision in my, it felt kind of like a panic move with 13 minutes left in the third quarter. And you're, you're moving the ball the way that you, yeah, are. you're trying to land a punch and you whiffed basically. And, and yeah. you know, you didn't land it. Well, but... not only did you whiff, but you kind of like punch yourself in the nuts too. Cause you know, you've got, it's basically like a, a nine yard sack or whatever, you know, however, however far back he was when he threw the ball with the intentional grounding call. It just, yeah, it was a tough one. Yeah, that's 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 a you know we we're talking about you know success rate in EPA. That's a that's a very bad <laughs> EPA wise play right there. So um, yeah, I agree. I don't remember what I was feeling at that moment. Probably probably pretty pissed off. 
Yeah. So this one's a little tricky. Uh, Anderson engages Joan and Schaefer, and he gets caught a little too flat-footed to to kick backwards and pick up. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Broderick Jones or Schaefer gets caught a little bit too flat-footed to to kick back. And no, I'm sorry, I'm I'm reading my notes wrong here. Okay, go back to the start of that play. You're gonna have Will Anderson. He's gonna. Uh, yeah, it's going to hang on. Hang. All right, yes. Yeah, so Will Anderson, he's going to come off the edge here, number 31. And basically, Georgia messes up in their assignments, and you're going to have Jones cut inside where Schaefer should have. And now you're kind of – the stunt basically got ruined because they crossed the face of one, each, one another, Jones and Schaefer. And now all of a sudden you're in a spot where – uh, number eight's coming free and Stetson's running for his life and he rightly just throws the ball out of bounds, but you know, third and long play kind of a, if you watch right here from this angle, Darnell is going to break wide open and right at the, about the time that Stetson has to take off. So you get better protection there. You have Darnell coming open clean on a crossing route and Maybe it's first down, but you're probably in field goal range at 35 there where he would have caught it. So little things becoming big things, right? Uh, which is what we talk about a lot on this show. And then clip 96. Yeah, so George's got the ball back again. It's 9-6. Uh, they just had the interception and tip ball. If this ball gets to Brock Bowers, it is blocked really well. Everything is set up in front of them at least from my eye, for, you know, maybe not a touchdown, but probably a, a nice gain to to get you right into at least field goal range and looking at – Yeah, Sawyer's coming up field, and, and yeah, that was a it, – it was wide open for him to cut underneath them and go upfield, but, yeah. Tip yeah, balls. Tip balls. Exactly. So we get, we get a whole other season to talk about Stetson Bennett's tip balls. <laughs> Oh too, soon. too soon very yeah way too soon <laughs> okay so here this situation in the game you're you're right after george's blocked the field goal and this is this is the you know the moment right um right off right guard where george's gotten whipped all season all of a sudden jamari sawyer is in at right guard mocking goes back to the run he goes behind his stud number 69 you're gonna watch Schaefer and Jones come around at left guard and left tackle and get beautiful seal blocks. And boom, James Cook breaks into daylight. And this this changed everything, uh, as we all know, right? Like, this was the, the turning point in the game. And I got to wonder, man, I do have to wonder, like, what does that lineup do if Sawyer's at right guard all year and they let Jones just kind of take his – you know, kind of deal with the learning curve with him at left tackle for a little while against teams that you were going to beat no matter what. Hey, Graham, we win a natty. That's what happens. I know. I mean, they, <laughs> right. I hear you. But still, it's like all of a sudden you have a productive run game at, at right guard. So, yeah, no, it was I think you're right. I mean, we you were on it all year long. And and I think a lot of people were talking about sort of the, the struggles at, at, at the, of the O-line, but once they found it and they found it at different times and different stretches with different personnel, but 
They found yeah. it right on time, though. You know? <laughs> Not a minute too late. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, second and six, Georgia has got to get in the end zone. It felt like that. And look at this push from Warren McClendon at right tackle and Jamari Sawyer at right guard. Great tough run by McIntosh. But those two are going to absolutely blow the left side of Bama's defensive line off the ball. Georgia's right guard and right tackle just – Sawyer walks that dude upfield. McClendon, you know, does does a good job there as well. And all of a sudden, you're you're right first there knocking goal. on the door. Yeah, and you get a face mask penalty as well. So first and goal. And then Jalen Carter is the greatest fullback in the history of football, right here. Look at him just explode. Like that was a stalemate, and all of a sudden he runs into it, and about I don't know, like twelve hundred pounds of humans just rolls off into the end zone. Um, so he continues to be, I think, like one of the more fun Georgia players in a, in a really long time because of how athletic he is and how, how many things he can do on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah, so now you're, you're 13 to 12, and Alabama's kind of breathing down your neck. Um, Zamir – great run here he just ran so angry really the whole game but particularly in the second half the the fumble happens basically like right after this right but just the way that he kind of attacks this play you know just it's it's pretty old school looking like shrugging guys off that high and just falling forward and he just there was kind of never any like a lot of running backs in that situation, they sort of slow down when they're starting to come into contact, and he just was always delivering punishment. I think it mattered in the fourth quarter. Um, so moving to clip 151, you look at the score up at the top. Alabama was up 18-13, and at this point, it feels like, oh, shit, here we are again. Instead of doing what we all thought Georgia was going to do and going back to the run game, we like Todd Mockin's like, hey, let's throw from the opposite hash – a comeback route to Jermaine Burton one-on-one Stetson really throws a beautiful ball here. Um, I, I think this was probably his, his best throw of the game. Timing is perfect. Uh, Burton runs a great route and it, it just felt so big in that moment. Like sitting in the stadium, everybody was dejected. It was like, I can't believe we're going to lose this game. Uh, and then Burton catches this ball and everybody's like, Oh, you know, look at that. We're almost at midfield. Maybe there's some life here. And Georgia's about to, you know, this is going to be one of the all-time drives in Georgia history, right? Georgia's going to go right back to Burton. He absolutely toasts the defensive back down here who just has to tackle him. If he doesn't, it's it's a touchdown. I was sitting down in the corner where that ball was thrown. Uh, and Burton just like absolutely had him whooped. Who knows if the ball's delivered? You know, I, I don't know if if it's going to be on on target or not. But Burton made two huge plays there to get Georgia all of a sudden. You know, and it Alabama's felt like play. Alabama stopped. You know, we're, we're either whether we were pass pro is better, or that Alabama changed their their rush. That seemed like they were trying to lay back and and you know played you know coverage and we we beat them you know it, it wasn't yeah. it, and so they gave him time to throw and and Stetson beat him the entire fourth quarter 
Yeah, and I thought the offensive line, you know, they did some things like you saw a lot more inline tight ends in the fourth quarter. You know, I, I thought Georgia kind of changed some things up pass protection wise at times, gave Broderick Jones a little more help at left tackle, uh, kept running backs in more to to block, like went a little more max protect on some of those pass plays. And they also moved the pocket a lot, like that long throw from from Stetson to Burton. They're lined up on the left hash, but he throws it from the right hash. So, I, you know, I, I thought it was smart and – it was a situation where having Stetson back there did come come to George's advantage because he's always been a little bit more comfortable on the move, truthfully, um, than he has been just standing in the pocket. But, yeah, so we're uh, 154 here. So this is a cool play. Play action to McIntosh, and he's just going to run it straight into a route and catches it at the sticks. What I have in my notes is – can your third string running back run a play action fake straight into a smooth comeback route at the sticks and then catch a contested ball in the air while being hit by a defensive back? Probably not. Um, yeah. That, great. you know, I, I think just that's the, the recruiting and the talent and Del McGee and like all of it. It's like in games like this against team that is equally powerful at the line of scrimmage, it's those little X factor plays like, Kenny McIntosh coming out of the backfield that can make a huge difference. Um, so Turner uh, is going to blow up Fitz Fitzpatrick here. McClendon gets engaged and and Schaefer uh, just can't get back up to pick up forty seven, and you've got a total bust by protection basically. Um, but yeah, you see Nolan Turner just come around Fitzpatrick even though Fitzpatrick's holding him and. <laughs> yeah, that's it right there. I mean, like, that dude's a beast, man. I mean, uh, he was coming away, like, just at the game in person and watching back these clips. I was like, can't believe they have him and Will Anderson next year. It's it's, it's pretty scary. Uh, but here you go. So this catch right here coming into clip 157, it's unreal, right? Like, it's an unreal catch by Mitchell. But Cook is the one that goes all out to make that play happen. Um, if we can do that reverse angle again. This is why in February of last year, we're talking about Kenny McIntosh's stats in pass protection because the details matter. And when it mattered in the fourth quarter of a national title game, James Cook had his head on a swivel, saw the delay blitz coming and got there and gave his – quarterback enough protection throw the ball and Georgia takes the lead for good so it's just I think makes what we do on this show a lot of fun right um, when when the little details actually end up having that big rep, ripple effect on something like winning a national championship or not winning a national championship because I, I don't know if Georgia wins the national championship without that play, it was so massive at that moment for Georgia to score and score there and not get into a two minute situation and, you know, just swing the, the momentum. I know that some people don't believe in that word, but like the vibe in that stadium was kind of like the air was going out of the balloon. And all of a sudden everyone was like, Holy crap. Stetson Bennett just threw a 45-yard touchdown pass to 
to A.D. Mitchell and George yeah. is in the lead with eight minutes to go in a national title. I, I don't remember. I mean, I, I remember a couple of things I said. I, I My bold prediction before the year was that James Cook would lead uh, SEC running backs and Heisman votes. That was that was my prediction. And that, that didn't happen. But I, I it was all about, you know, we talked about it, you know, doing the things, blocking, and that veteran of Zamir White and James Cook was obviously very important. We have tons – the running back room is well-documented as as deep and, you know, lots of talent, and Kenny McIntosh has shown flashes. And, you know, Kendall Milton was coming in as a, as a true freshman, you know, the, uh, you know, the five-star from California that wanted to play and stuff and just all those guys. But, yeah, there it was. And when the game was on – literally on the game was on the line, your veteran, you know, four-year starter, James Cook, laid a block that made it happen on a free play and uh rest is history as we like to say yeah yeah no exactly i'm with you um yeah and i mean that catch man like like i said earlier i was sitting in that corner and um i don't know it was probably 30 rows up or so and just it looked like it, i mean the ball was underthrown it was it was a little underthrown and mitchell just like went up and over and made made a phenomenal play and and that you know that's i mean that's how that's how it happens usually right like it's it's one-on-one battles and you win some you lose some and he went and won that one God, but so yeah but i mean like i i when he caught the ball like when i saw him catch the ball over his shoulder i didn't think there was any way he was going to survive the the tackle to the ground and he did so uh right here this is supposed to be a little uh just a little run play basically by cook and Sawyer's pulling from right guard around and Dallas Turner is just too fast again. Uh, 15, like I know I said it a few minutes ago, but was really impressed by him. He just strings that play out because Sawyer can't, can't get there and get a hat on him. All right. one sixty-six. Yep. So 1918 Georgia gets that three and out and, here comes uh, Roderick Jones on that pull again from left tackle coming around in the hole. Him and Schaefer, really great job. And all of a sudden, Georgia's back in midfield and the clock is running. Tick, 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 tick. And, and you're dominating Alabama in the fourth quarter on the line of scrimmage, which is something that nobody's done in 15 years. And Georgia's doing it. Um, so... Yeah, and then watch Cedric Van Pran here, center, uh, 63. He's going to have a long career in the NFL. Uh, Broderick Jones does a good job. Him and Schaefer, the whole, like, center over Van Pran, Schaefer at left guard, and Jones at left tackle. Really good play. Make an alley for Zeus. Um, but and, and Bowers holds the edge there, too. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah is Bowers like, is an incredible blocker, man. I mean, like, it's it can anyone can be forgiven for not talking about it because of what he does in the pass game, but uh, yeah, to be in the pass mature, game as a tight end, you got to be able to block, you know? Yeah, for sure. Or to play receiver at Georgia, you got to be able to block, like in in any form. Um, so here we go, Pickens again, right? One of those few snaps he has in this game, he makes all of them count. He draws fifteen, puts Georgia into scoring range. Uh, I actually thought this was kind of a good decision by Stetson of like, all right, here comes Will Anderson to kill me. Uh, I trust George Pickens in one-on-one situation. Cut that short. Cut that clip a little short. 
Yeah, but you get the picture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Where are we on? Are we on 174? Uh, 171. 171, all right. Yeah, so uh, the blocking here is good enough, but, yeah, like, look at Zamir, again, just pushing the pile, driving, driving, you know, just getting lower than everybody else, and it's just angry. And, the like, this is that mentality of we're going to beat you in the fourth quarter, and yeah. there's no such thing as curses. We've been running the, stadium stairs since the wintertime, <laughs> dark and cold and all that stuff that they've talked about. And it's like that, – that, I know I said it a minute ago, but, like, have you seen anyone push Alabama around up front in the fourth quarter of a close ball game under I, Nick Saban other I, than maybe his first season? I, I, I don't – this play got me as fired up as just about any in the game. I, I really did. Yeah. I mean, it was just like – and then also when it, the scream that there was going to be a personal foul at the end of the game when the – When got, Schaefer comes in. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like – Belly flops into it. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah. That, that was just like you – that's what you want to see out of your fourth quarter team, you know. Yeah, for sure. And then here's the – here's the plate of powers. Um, and, I mean, I, a couple things. So, here's Monken again, right? Of course, Bowers is the guy to do it because he came up when they needed to play all year. But the block by Rosemeat is incredible. And I know, you know, people have noticed it, which I'm happy. But, like, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? And Rosemeat was emerging in 2020. He never quite got healthy this past season. He breaks his leg in the Florida game after catching a beautiful touchdown pass. And he made some incredible blocks in this game. There's a lot of clips where he's blocking his butt off on the edge. And we never heard whispers of him being unhappy or potentially transferring, like not being satisfied with the number of targets. Like the guy just worked all year long, put his head down. And that's why he's trusted in this situation to push the guy across from him into the paint of the end zone on third down and 41 years to go for Georgia and Indianapolis. And I think like that's credit to, to him, but also credit to what Georgia and Kirby smart has built. And I know we're in this transfer portal era and you do have to recruit your players all year long. You do have to keep guys happy, not pretending like you don't, but at the end of the day, like the, the culture of that team was, so much more team first than me first. And I thought it was very symbolic that, that 81 was the guy that was on the field for that, that play that put Georgia over the top there. Well, you know, I was going back at the stats. I mean, and it was a very close offensive production wise game and it was very much, the defenses were definitely the stars obviously. And our offense made more plays than they did. You know, that's just, that's what it came down to. Um, you know, I think we're both hovering around 40% success rate. And that's exactly where, you know, that was a, that was a, that's exactly where I expected him to be. And, and, and we made the plays. Georgia made the plays and that was freaking awesome. I mean, just, I mean, whether, I mean, it was just, you know, whether it's just a heads up play by a veteran quarterback that knows you got a free play um, to the, on the pass to AD Mitchell. I mean, you've seen, you know, Aaron Rodgers do that a hundred times in the NFL. You know, so, yeah. you know, the guy jumps off sides and you just just throw it up and it's a touchdown. It's just an absolutely backbreaking play. And and, you know, I mean, you know, the the, the fumble was, you know, it you know, we I think it's 50 50. And if Georgia fans put truth serum in them, they probably say 
sure that's a fumble, but I think that's colored by the fact that the you know play early in the game versus um, on Bryce Young was not called a fumble. But I mean, that was just I mean, like you know, I couldn't write this script. You you were close to a score prediction uh, on had it right, but it it doesn't unfold ever when you got two great, two great teams. It's just like it's it's a true like a you know a boxing matches you know a, a you know analogy that gets run into the ground but it damn sure felt like you know two heavyweights going at it it did yeah it was that kind of game right i mean it was a lot like the the 2017 game uh in atlanta like it was physical and it was defense first and like you said i mean this time it was georgia that was making those plays in the fourth quarter and alabama was the team that felt like they were kind of hanging on but i do think you know it i am curious like for you because you were so down after the sec championship game and just like so much defeatism and, and 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 for good reason right like i understand where you were coming from but uh I know that a lot of people like joked with me on Twitter and text messages in the days after the game of like, has Josh smiled? Like is, is Josh happy now? So is, is Josh happy now? Oh yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. I mean, like I, it's, it's funny that you had that reaction because I, it, I was, I was definitely beaten down by that game. And it was like, it, where my mindset was, is like, here we go. Again. It's like, it was just like, it, all, all I could hear is Alabama footsteps. And that's what it felt like I saw Georgia do. It was just like, ah, it's Alabama. We can't beat them. And, and you know, I doubted. And, damn, they, they proved me wrong. I, I will be so so happy to be loud wrong on, you know, downplaying what Georgia can do. But um, No, I mean, I'm not saying it like that because I think there was a lot of people that, that – No, no, I mean, I'm just talking uh, – you know, I am 100% yet I do not deny these charges laid against me. <laughs> No, but it was, I mean, but you know, it was pointed out as, you know, as you start, you know, we had three or three and a half, four weeks, whatever it was before the orange bowl, you know, and, and it just, as you start looking at it, I mean, there was nothing in the stats that was encouraging from that game. You know, if you just look at it on paper, it was just absolutely, we got demolished. Um, And, you know, we played poorly in, in most every facet of the game. Brock Bowers certainly had a good game, but for the most part, it was just, you know, but, you know, as you look at it on tape, you know, like you, you pointed it out and, that wasn't the same defense, you know, they, whether it was, you know, there was maybe someone, they weren't, you know, maybe they were sick. Maybe there was a regular flu going through there or whatever it was. It just wasn't the same team. I'm not right. going to sit there and tell you that, that Kirby, you know, took a game off, but it just wasn't the same team. Now the question was whether we could rally and have the, the, the team that we saw for 12 games before that show up for the playoffs. And they, they did, they blew the doors off of Michigan. And that was a hell of a fun game to, to be, to, to watch from the stands and, and they, and they played, you know, they laid it all on the field against Alabama and, and won in the most awesome way ever, you know, you know, on a backbreaking, you know, pick six that we're going to talk about on our next show. So uh, it was awesome. It was yeah, good. for sure. And I'm, I'm glad you bring up the, the SEC championship and the defense and all that. Cause there was a lot of things that got adjusted and I did think, you know, I, I know I, I did the, the SEC championship kind of quick and dirty review show uh, by myself because I, I didn't want like I, I knew you were just so kind of over it for a little while there. Uh, but on that show, like the, the one thing that I came away from kind of feeling helpful for Georgia's chances if uh, they did play it, Alabama again in a rematch was 
every time they brought more than four on defense on Bryce Young, you know, except for maybe one play, like good things happened. And so I think there was some relief on my part, like early in the, the game in Indianapolis when Georgia looked like an aggressive, fast fly around the ball, the same team they had all year instead of we're going to rush three and sit back in a eight man zone and let Alabama like pick us apart. Like we're, we're Arkansas or something. Uh, so we'll get into all that. Yeah. Next show uh, we have all the defensive clips, which I think there's actually, yeah, there's, there's more, there's a lot more defensive clips than there are offensive clips. It's like but, a lot. It's a lot guys. It's a lot of, a lot of clips. Oh, wow. You printed them out and everything, man. That's, that's better than I am. But yeah, before we sign off, man, is there any, any other thoughts or stuff that you want to address? Um, you know, I think there's been a lot, you know, I think four coaches have left, been switched out, you know, gone on to different things or we, Matt Luke has left the program. Um, so, but that's a mark of a good program. You know, your coaches are going to get picked off and take other opportunities and, you know, whether it's just better opportunities personally or, or a chance to step up, but you know, I, it, none of that really scares me. I, I would say if you told me you, I was going to lose every coach, you get to pick, keep one that have been monking. So yeah. I'm excited oh, to yeah. have, I mean, it, Kirby hasn't had that continuity on offense yet. So this will be, I, am I wrong? I mean, this is the first time it will have an offense coordinator for three straight years. Uh, he had Cheney for 16, 17, and 18. Okay, all right. And then he had Coley yeah. for 19. So, yeah, this will be the second time. Okay, I, I thought Cheney was – I thought we had Cheney for two years, but you're right. I mean, but, yeah, exactly right. In 20, you know, we came into 2018. We were rolling in offense. You know, and here we are. Yeah. We, that was we, by far Georgia's best offense under Kirby Smart. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to have that continuity in offense, and there's plenty of, of reasons. You know, our offensive line is going to be great, I believe. Um, I really do feel like some of these younger guys are – we've – we leaned on some, some veterans that uh, that have been there with the program for a long time, but there's a lot of studs. I'm hopeful that Amarius Mims um, comes out of spring practice with us, you know, uh, knowing what he's, his job is going to be. And that j- job is going to be wearing the super G on Saturdays and, and knocking people off the ball. So. Yeah, um, for sure. Well, maybe we'll get another, uh, uh, another throwback pass to him on G day. Like we did last year. Cause that was, <laughs> That was pretty fun, but <laughs> I had forgotten about that, dude. It's been a year. I know it's, it's been a long time. It's yeah. one year. We're a one year anniversary of Dog Sports Live. I think it's it's around there. Yeah, I, yeah. We, we started kicking it off with the program. We had like the, it's the spring it's, position previews back. Spring back position last previews. Exactly right. And and now so, we get to talk about we get to rehash the national championship instead. It's pretty cool. Not bad. Yeah, we had <laughs> pretty good year to start out uh, covering Georgia, but yeah, we'll definitely get into you know deep dives of who's gone and who's come back and new faces on coaching staff and and recruits and all of that stuff um and and we're gonna be hiring a basketball coach we can talk about that at some point oh we'll definitely be talking about that um but yeah i mean we should be back if i'm not mistaken later this week to to do defense so you guys join us and and tune in and Thank you for all of you who uh, enjoy the show enough to have asked us when we're 
we're gonna do we were gonna do this film review I know, I know. we haven't we haven't done it pressure is a privilege i felt definitely <laughs> yeah well during the season it's like you're under the gun you're under the gun um and i'm kind of glad we waited because it was fun to come back and look at it with fresh eyes and enjoy it and i hope you guys have all enjoyed it and I hope you guys will join us all for join us for the defensive clips because it there's so much insane stuff in there and there's so much insane stuff that that defense did all year that I'm excited to, to look at it together and talk about it. Graham it was awesome. Get hell of a job putting this all together and look forward to doing the defense later this week. And yeah, uh, thank and you. Please share, retweet, re- rate, review, all that sort of stuff. And uh, with that, go dogs. Go dogs.